Blackwater, the Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, the Flying Tigers, the Swiss Guard, the White Company, the Knights Templar, the Varangian Guard, Clerkus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, and Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, guns for hire, soldiers of fortune, private military companies, private security contractors, dirty deeds done not so dirt cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They've been around for a very long time and they are very likely not going away anytime soon. So you better get used to it, grow up and accept it or move to another planet. Because in this world, folks, money trumps everything. And like it or not, wars are good for business. And pandemics? As if the only pandemic being hyped is an actual thing. Folks, the only thing hurting anyone is the pandemic of the ignorant, the gullible, and the blindly obedient. History tells us that more people are enslaved and killed by such means of oppression and tyranny than by any other means. Oppression and tyranny, folks, money, profits and propaganda, call it psychological operations or call it psychological conditioning, you are being gaslit. So remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Aconis, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and bucolic rural foothills of northwestern Washington State, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. So, life as a private security contractor in a hostile, war-torn, or non-permissive environment. It is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good, some not so good. All in all, private security contracting is much the same as life. It is what you make it. Then, the MENA region, or the Middle East, North Africa region, lands of enchantment, lands of mystery, lands of the old ones, and the ancient ones. Myths, legends, folklore. Maybe, if you believe what you read in the ancient and the holy texts, then you know that it all centered around what we refer to as the MENA region. Yep, the Mediterranean. And you probably also know that to every legend or myth, there is a base of at least some truth. All right then, that said, and before proceeding, a quick correction. Uh, the previous episode when I was talking about uh, taxes and your liability for them, and that if you stay outside of America, the continental U.S. at least, but probably all 50 states, uh, perhaps even as territories arguably, uh, that you don't have to pay taxes. Well, that is correct, but up to a certain point. I'm not sure what the exact dollar figure is at this time, but the last time I checked, it was somewhere between $96,000 and $100,000. So what I'm trying to say, folks, is that as 
a private security contractor, you are not liable for your taxes up to ninety-six to hundred thousand dollars. In other words, you don't have to pay taxes on the first ninety-six thousand to one hundred thousand dollars earned. Everything beyond that, yes, you got to pay taxes. Again, consult a tax expert, somebody that can prove that they have the experience and the knowledge to carry out the laws as they are laid out by the IRS uh, and taking into account any peculiar laws that may um, take place in your state. So that said, onward and upward, as the saying goes. So to pick up kind of where I left off last time, um, to hearken a little bit more because this does come up an awful lot. So private security contractors, you know, when we talk about background, experience, levels of instruction and training, and instruction and training are different. So just to give a basic idea of the difference between instruction and training. Uh, instruction would be, for example, a teacher, a professor, or a quote-unquote instructor giving instruction, typically in front of a class, whether it's 10 people or 1,000 people, however they're portraying it. But it's mostly just instruction. They're telling you, I'm telling you, maybe even showing you a little bit with some movements, this, that, and one thing, another, articulating it through some cross-reference material, videos, what have you. Maybe a little demonstration there in the classroom. That's instruction. It can also be done out in the field. Okay, and, and a lot of us have had instruction in the field. Training, on the other hand, is taking that instruction and adding a practical aspect to it where you play out a scenario or several scenarios. Okay, So you're actually physically, practically partaking in that instruction, making it happen, demonstrating it, and then critiquing it with an after-action report of sorts and finding out what worked, what didn't work, why it worked, how it didn't work, why it didn't work, and how it can work. So you, you're taking all those things and you're proving upon it. So that's the basic difference between instruction and training because I know that that gets lost on a lot of people that haven't had both. Okay, So when it comes to private security contracting, particular in higher threat, higher risk areas, the question has come up a lot in the arguments, the debates. Okay, why military people? Why veterans? Why the yada, yada, yada? Okay, uh, and that comes down to a very practical matter, which I've tried to explain to some people, including a classroom at a local college in my area uh, two or three years ago when I was invited to do some, uh, a presentation there on private security because they'd never had that. And I was scheduled to be there for at least four hours. And within minutes of arriving, I knew it wasn't going to go very well. It was one of those criminal justice things. And it's like, yeah, criminal justice class. And now you're going to suddenly know everything about criminal law and justice and policing and security. And you're ready to go out and hit the big world and show everybody what you know. Okay, so it didn't go over well. The people didn't like my responses because they were basically immature kids that had just graduated from high school, some a few years older than that. And it was like, why can't I get hired? Why wouldn't you hire me? Well, you know, <laughs> you pretty much just ex exemplified why I wouldn't. Okay, but 
So why the veterans? Why the military veterans, especially those in the combat arms MOS? And in particular, those who have been deployed to a combat theater, okay? Whether they actually participated in direct action or not, okay? Even more so if they had. But the reason comes up to a lot of things I've talked about. Why a lot of contracts, especially now that we've worked our way through it and there's not this incredible demand for boots on the ground where they'll take anybody that raises their hand. Okay. Well, it should be pretty obvious, but to a lot of folks, it is not. And it is because it is assumed that at some point in your military career, particularly if you've been deployed to a hostile, non-permissive war zone, that you have a certain level of maturity. You've grown up, you've seen a few things, you've heard a few things, you've smelled a few things, and you've probably actually partaken in a few things. Okay? Does that mean you still don't get a little tunnel vision or that your mouth doesn't get a little dry when that happens or that you don't feel the little nervous jitters go through your body? No, it doesn't mean that at all. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're scared. And if you are a little bit of scared, a little fear, never really a bad thing as long as you can keep a control lid on it, right? Because <laughs> you've got to be able to stay focused. Okay, but those are those are some of the um, just tip of the iceberg reasons why veterans, particularly those in a combat arms MOS, are looked at long before other people looked at. Unless, for example, there's a security project that requires a certain level of experience and training <coughs> or experience that you would only get from a certain particular level of law enforcement. Okay, and those there's plenty of those jobs and contracts and projects out there. Okay, but that said, the other reason why, when people ask, well, why cops? Well, not all cops, just like not all military, okay, but some cops, okay, they have been out there on the street long enough and been exposed to enough and engaged in enough scenarios, real-life scenarios, okay, and have proven that they can get through the day every day and still get out and do it and make contact and do whatever needs to be done, okay? So when those guys are able to articulate that and demonstrate it, why not, okay? Like I've said before, if you can do it, it's kind of like the standards in the military, as, we've, as a lot of us have talked about how they've changed over the decades, okay? Standards are great as long as they're realistic. And I really don't care if a girl or a woman participates and is given an opportunity as long as she can meet or exceed the standards, not diluting nor dumbing down the standards so that she can pass and somebody can raise their hand and say, see, the girl did it. Well, if she did it the same way without any sort of preferential treatment at all, exactly the same as the boys and the men, then my hat is off to that girl or woman that can do that. Got no problem with it. As for the rest of it, Man, woman, or anyone in between, if you can't meet, at least meet the standards that everybody else has to do with absolutely no preferential treatment at all without diluting or dumbing down the standards, in my opinion, you should not be there. You don't belong there. You are going to be a hazard and a detriment to everybody else that's there trying to do the job that they were hired to do. As the saying goes, it's all fun and games until it's not. And there is a huge difference. I mean, a monumentally huge difference between being able to bring your rifle or your pistol to bear and looking down the sights at your target or targets 
that are not paper or steel, that are human beings that are probably shooting back at you, and you got to shoot, move, and communicate. I mean, it, we can articulate all we want. We can demonstrate all we want. But the only way that you are going to know for sure is when you're there and in that situation. But I can tell you from a matter of experience, and plenty of other people can too, that that difference cannot be pounded upon enough. You cannot truly emulate that until it happens. So if you don't have the background, which includes the levels of instruction, training, and experience, but at least at the very minimum, the levels of instruction and training that it takes, <laughs> you're fooling yourself. Does that mean that you can't get that level of instruction and training? No, it doesn't mean it at all. There's plenty of individuals and companies out there that offer that level of instruction and training. Okay, And, the, and usually, not always, but here's, here's one way it starts, is that you meet somebody. Or somebody is talking to somebody about you. Somehow or another, you end up meeting this person or group of persons in person at a range. And they go through this slow process of ferreting you out. Okay, They want to see what your character is. They want to see what your level of integrity is. They want to see what your metal is really made of. Okay. And a lot of times you might be standing around or doing this and that and saying, what the hell is this for? What's it got to do with anything? Okay, because they want to find out where you're at mentally and emotionally and even physically to see if you even have what it takes because they can get you there. Okay, as the saying goes, you can train a monkey to do a lot of stuff. Okay, and a lot of times people can be brought up to speed. We've A lot of us have seen it. Guys and gals that maybe didn't have necessarily the requisite levels of instruction, training, and experience, but they had everything else, okay? Because they, because for a period of six months or a year or two or three years, they've been watched. People talk about them, and their names get tossed about. And eventually, they get their chance. And some of them pass the muster, okay? Because they truly have the ability inside to do what they're being shown, and they carry it out. Okay. Now, does that mean that they're still ready for the moment uh, of, of baptism by fire? Nobody knows for sure until it happens. Okay. But you can get to the point where you can get your shot at doing what you want to do if you have what it takes and you're willing to demonstrate that by putting your money where your mouth is and going to that range. Now, sometimes you got to pay for it. Other times it's gratis. Okay, and the reasons uh, are as various as there is bug life out there. Okay, so the point I'm making is that if you want to be a paramilitary combatant, a private security contractor, uh, a mercenary, whatever you want to be, and you don't have the, the requisite background, experience, instruction, and training already on your resume, okay, there are ways to fix and correct that. You can get there. Not everybody, and arguably, a lot of people can't cut the muster. Okay? And again, the contracts are as, there is many, there's a, the variety of contracts out there 
that require different levels of backgrounds, experience, and training are, again, as they're as diverse as bug life and plant life. I mean, they're out there. A lot of them fall under the same nature or the same type of project or contract, but they are different. Again, an awful lot of it just comes down to the region, the specific country, the tempo, the mission, etc. what you're expected to do. But even here in the States, I mean, there's enough people out there talking. There's a lot of stuff going on here in the States even, whether it's along the southern border or other places. Where these contracts that are paying four, five, six hundred dollars a day, some of them more, usually on the other side of the southern border, okay, but they're out there and guys are being recruited for it and gals, okay, they're being recruited for it and you can get on those as long as you have the background, the instruction, the training, and people, somebody somewhere has talked with you enough, been around you enough, maybe worked with you, the vouchers for you says, yeah, he's a good dude. Now, the words you often hear are stuff like, he's a hard dude, or he's hardcore, or he's high speed, or he's a hard mofo, okay? There's, there's, <laughs> okay, I mean, I laugh because sometimes it seems like a comedy show, but, you know, the point is, is that from day one, when you're boots on the ground on that project, all the way to the end, everybody that you're working with and everybody that's uh, got anything to do with all the agencies and 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 on the periphery everyone in there at least enough of them have to have enough degree of confidence in you as a person to have what it takes that they feel confident that if you have to do what needs to be done call it doing the deed that you're going to do it without hesitation okay and that you're going to do it and you're going to protect them save their life, okay, whatever, because ultimately, that's what you're there for. You're not there to save your life, okay? You're there to save the client's life and the people that they hire and employ, okay? Secondarily, not any less important to us, but secondarily to the guy on your left and the gal on your right, okay, and maybe even someone in front and behind you, okay? So, your teammates are equally important, okay? Maybe not arguably quite as important as the client because they're the ones paying the bills. They're the reason you're there. They're the reasons you got hired. They're the reasons you're getting paid all this money. Okay. But everybody has a vested interest in it and they want to have some degree of confidence. They can count on you. Okay. So those are the reasons why these kinds of projects want certain caliber of people. They want to know that you not only can do it, but that you will do it. Now, people bring up the argument a lot. Even here just the other day, I was at uh, a multi-chamber meeting, and it came up again. I mean, it just comes up all the time. Well, what about the law of this and the law of that? And you got to go to court for this, and then you got to do the civil thing, even if you beat the criminal thing. I said, well, look, hey, look, here's the thing. If that's what you're concerned about, I'm not, I'm not saying don't be concerned about it. I'm not saying don't think about it. But think about it and be concerned about it ahead of time and figure out how you're going to attack or tackle that, okay? But I said, but ultimately, if you're in security, armed capacity especially, private security contractor, in my opinion, if you're out there boots on the ground and you're doing the work, you're doing the job, the absolute last thing you should be thinking about or concerned about is the effing laws, 
Okay, the effing laws. If that's what you're thinking about and you're concerned about, you should not be there on that project. You should go to a different project, and maybe consider coming back when that's no longer a concern. Because I've always said, and to this day I maintain it. Okay, if I have to do what I'm being paid to do, if I have to do the deed, whatever you want to call it, I will let the chips fall where they may. Okay, call it, you know, putting my faith and trust and confidence in God or Jesus Christ, the court system, the lawyers, the whoever, the whatever. Okay, because I know that if I do what I'm supposed to be doing properly every day, somewhere, someone or a group of someone's are going to stand up and say, you know what? He did it right. And here's my testimony. Okay. So if you're concerned, my point is, if you're concerned about that and it bothers you that much, and I've worked with a number of guys over the years that that is a concern for them. It's like, then you shouldn't be in security. You shouldn't be doing armed security. You should not be here. You should not be there. You should not be anywhere. You should go into another profession if that's your concern. Okay. And all the politics and all the laws and silliness that, that abounds, that aside, that's not what I'm arguing right now. I'm just simply saying, look, if you're a private security contractor, those are things you should not be concerned about. If The only times I'm concerned about it is if I'm working for a company and or an agency where they make it known or clear that they don't have my back, whether they come right out and say it or not, because let's face it, some of us can read between the lines. We know when they're going to shaft us, okay? when we know they don't have our back. And when I know that, I either don't start the project or I get out because I am not going to be left high and dry because somebody doesn't have a spine because they want me to go out there and take these risks and protect them and defend them. But when I have to do it, they turn around and leave me to my own devices. Not going to happen. Okay, so what do I expect or anticipate from an individual or a group of individuals or an organization or an agency or whatever? Well, not a whole lot, really. But I do expect that I expect that they're going to do their jobs. I will do my job. Okay, and I don't care if you like me or not. Okay, what I do expect is that you will be man enough or woman enough to say, you know what? Scott and these other guys did what needed to be done. They did what we asked them to do. They did what we hired them to do. They did what we expect private security to do. To do. Okay? They did it right. And unless you're going to sit there and armchair quarterback this whole thing, then they'll be willing to say, look, they'll be willing to say the same things I've been saying and stand up and testify that on our behalf. Okay? That's the only things I expect. Now, how many times would I or could I have been proved wrong in hindsight had things gone awry? Who knows? Okay, knock on wood, hasn't happened yet. Okay, and I praise God that it hasn't. And I hope to God that it never does. Because, let's face it, the past two and a half to three years, arguably six plus years, has shown us there's a lot of people out there that talk the big talk and say the right things. But when it comes right down to it, they're nowhere to be found. So, here in the United States, I've only heard such talk from clients or client reps or the various people somewhere under that umbrella say such things. Um, 
what the percentage is, I don't know, 25% of the time, 30% of the time, maybe half, maybe it's been 50% of the time, maybe more. I don't know, but they have said it. Um, usually, again, as I've said before, it's usually guys and gals uh, with government agencies somewhere because typically they either are former law enforcement or they're military veterans, okay? And they understand how this thing works. Uh, Overseas, as a private security contractor, even though it was said uh, on probably every project I was on, there were, uh, I'd say, 75, maybe 80% of the time, somewhere between 70 and 80% of the time, I actually felt like that was the case. They really did, okay? And oddly enough, um, (laughs) even... Excuse me, had to clear my throat. Oddly enough, even with the State Department, yes, I know, a lot of us have various thoughts about the State Department back then, now, and maybe in the future. But even then, oddly enough, I was really surprised with my very first contact with people at the State Department, uh, direct contact uh, there in Baghdad, where it was like, huh, interesting. Now, as it turned out, the dude was the RSO, (laughs) the first guy I came in contact, direct contact, and had direct communications with. But that was a good feeling. Because his deputy, the deputy RSO, was kind of a douche. Okay, I'd met him coming and going, and he thought he was all that. But the RSO had my back. Okay, and other folks as well with the depart with the Defense Department. Okay, so there are folks out there that you know got your back. Okay, because you're doing your job, you're doing it right. Okay, and they'll the they got your back. Okay, that's way wholly different than a lot of stuff that we see and encounter here in the States. Now then, for those folks that say, well, yeah, I'd love to take that course. I'd love to take this course, the two weeks or the three weeks or the four weeks or the one week, whatever it is. But man, I don't know that I really want to part money, you know, with six or seven grand or 10 grand or 20 grand or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, I'm hip, man. I get what you're saying. I really do. But if you're missing or lacking that level of instruction and training, and you need that to get on these projects, okay, or you think you want it, then you'll quickly overcome that hurdle, okay? You'll find the way to make it work, and you will probably be driven and motivated to do what needs to be done in that course, in that school, to make sure that you do well and pass, because I'm sure I'm not the only one that has seen the guys and the gals that are hired by private security companies where the company provides in-house instruction and training. And arguably, a lot of it's really good stuff. Okay. But it's quote-unquote free to the employees. Okay. They don't have to pay for it. Okay. It's part and parcel of the package. Okay. Now, again, depending on the level of maturity and the level of the contract we're on, okay, many to most are driven and motivated to do really well. But I've seen my share of it where there's not a whole lot of driver motivation to do really well or even do better than really well because it's being provided for free. And, you know, I used to be fond of agreeing with, yeah, free is good, man, I'll take free. But after a time, you start to realize that, well, maybe not because A, nothing's ever truly free. And B, if you or I or somebody else is frequently or consistently getting stuff for free, there's no skin in the game, man. They got no stake. So they, they really don't care. 
and I mean, and I don't care how they slice it and dice it. As far as I'm concerned, they really don't care. Because I have received my share of quote-unquote free instruction and training. Okay, on company dime or whatever. Okay, but I am different. And I know there's plenty of you out there who are different. Okay, we don't look at it that way. Okay, if it's being provided to me quote-unquote gratis or free, I am typically, maybe I'm weird this way, but I typically am even more driven and more motivated because someone is quote-unquote given freely of their time and their knowledge and their experience to train, instruct, and show me things that either I didn't know or can improve upon what I already know. But that's me. So, with all that said, let's go back to the United States. The standard security guard or the standard security guard model which a lot of us are not hip on and some to many of us look down our noses on those guys and have all kinds of ill things to say. Okay. In part, it's well-deserved on the individual. Typically though, it's the trickle down theory. It's the people at the top of that company. And as you go down further, okay, usually somewhere between the supervisors and the owners, that's usually where it is, but usually almost always the managers. So what can we do? Well, I look at it this way, and this is what I've tried to do, okay? I take those guys that I'm working with, that I've hired, okay? And I say, I say, look, calm down, relax, okay? Take it easy. We're not at war, okay? We're, you know, we don't have a verified terrorist or criminal threat going on here. So just calm down, relax, take a chill pill. If something happens and you spot it, you catch it, okay? That's why there's more than one of us out here. Let me know. We'll go take a look at it. I said, but follow my lead. Okay, watch what I do. Listen to me. Just be ready, but just stand down, but be ready. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. Okay, because it may be a ruse. There may be other things going on. I need to know that you got my back. You got my six. Okay, in other words, while I'm engaging this person and I'm paying attention, I can't pay attention to everything else that's going on as well as you can. Okay, so I don't need you to be focused on that person. I need you to be focused on everything else, okay? I'll make it clear. You'll know, trust me, you'll know if and when I need your help or want it. And I'll probably tell you what to do, although you'll probably already know what to do, okay? So nothing wrong with helping these people. Just, you know, but get, you know, I always start at the base and just say, hey, look, calm down, relax, shake hand, we talk, we tell some jokes, lighten it up, and just say, hey, be prepared, be ready, but lighten up, take it easy, Okay. We're not, even if we're in, a, in an environment where that stuff's going on, okay, you, you can't be all uptight and tense, okay? Getting all uptight and tense isn't going to help you. You're not going to see it for what it really is. You're not going to hear it for what it really is. You're probably not going to respond verbally or physically in the proper, correct manner. You're going to overdo it, okay? Or you're going to be so focused on one or two things, you're going to not see and hear the rest of it. So... I guess what I'm saying is that nothing wrong, and I guess I'm encouraging to help out those people that especially, you know, because you got to work with them, so you might as well. But especially those where you perceive that this person has a little bit more on the ball, maybe a lot more on the ball than the rest of them. Okay, that might be one of those people that might be deserving of a break and maybe getting their opportunity at the next level. Now, whether they pay for it or not, I mean, literally pay for it or not, that's, that's another question. I'm not going too far down that road. I'm just saying, look, 
help these people out because a lot of us started out there. Okay. And regardless, there are some good people down there that would like to be up there and probably deserve to be there because let's face it, there's a constant revolving door and we need people. We need good people. We need smart people. We need people that want to do it, but they want to do it for the right reasons. Okay. So those are all, you know, just ferret through all that stuff. I'm just saying sometimes just take a chill pill ourselves and take a fresh, realistic look at who we're playing with and see who's deserving and who isn't. Because I'm sure I'm not the only one that's worked with what we thought were real people turned out to not be so real. Okay. And it happens. So, all right. Putting a wrap on it, and uh, real quick as an aside uh, to the folks that have been telling me, Scott, you got to go see Top Gun Maverick, man. Uh, yeah, I, I broke down and went with the wife and the boys uh, earlier this week. We saw it, and uh, yeah, you're right. It was that feel-good, patriotic movie that you all said it was, and it was a pretty awesome movie, at least as good on par with the first. And even though I know a number of people who've been around for one reason or another, uh, Mr. Cruz, and didn't have a whole lot of good things to say about him um, i've always liked most of his movies and so anyway good job tom uh, and thank you to everybody that that suggested and uh kind of put a little twist in there to motivate me to go to see the movie great movie all right with that said folks i want to uh thank you uh, everyone that's listening for taking the time out of your day your evening your afternoon to listen to me talk about private security contracting as it applies to overseas work and sometimes not necessarily overseas. As well as my experiences as a private security contractor, um, thank you again to Cava Cohen, Colin Perry, and thank you to Andres Rodriguez. And thank you to my wife, for whom I owe immeasurable gratitude, my children and all the folks, male and female, who have been and are a part of my life. Remember, everybody, it takes a team. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Stay humble. Stay safe. And keep others safe by staying frosty. And until the next time, keep it real. Keep it real.